You're listening to Conversations with Cal, the official podcast of the Sydney Swans. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Conversations with Cal. I'm your host, Callum Sinclair, and excited to bring this guy on the show today. It's been in the works for a little while this episode, but there's nothing like social isolation that has brought us together. But before we introduce uh, today's special guest, let me just read out some of this man's achievements. Premiership player 2012, All-Australian defender. He's picked 27 in the 2000 National Draft to the Bombers, where he played 33 games. 228 games for the Swans. Total of 261 senior AFL games. He just recently got inducted to the Sydney Swans Hall of Fame. Not a bad little resume. Ted Richards, appreciate your time. Thanks for having me, Sinks. You forgot I won uh, a tool of the week in 2011. <laughs> There's a few of them at the Swans, let me tell you. Oh. <laughs> now, mate, you're looking a little bit different to what I, um, what I do picture you like. What's happened? Well, let's just clarify it's not the rig. Yeah. Still in good nick. You are. Genetically um, gifted. Uh, yeah. I've got, I don't know. Some might be aware, but I've got a beehive. And um, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't wearing my protective gear and just extracting a bit of honey and the, the bees decided to fight back and one got me on the eyelid. And uh, yeah, my looks, what little, what little looks I do have has gone quickly downhill. Where's the interest from this beehive started? I, I do know I'm close with your brother Zav and I do know you've got a... I've been to your beautiful property in uh, in Macedon, but how did this fascination with bees um, start? I think I think it's kind of something that happens when you start to have kids and your your uh, ability to kind of live a normal. Well, I, you can't go out and, and do what you used to do, and so um, uh, it's unusual. <laughs> Some guys go for a run, or they might. Well, go no, to the I gym, still but, I still yeah. do all that. I yeah. I love cooking. I love food. And I like the idea of kids knowing where food comes from. And one year, Ella, my beautiful wife, asked me what I'd wanted for, for Christmas or something like that. And for some reason, I said a beehive. And pr- I probably didn't think that she'd follow through with it. <laughs> and um, next thing, uh, I'm on Christmas Day, opening up a beehive. And to be honest, I, I just love it. Really? I, I absolutely <laughs> love it. Yeah. Well, by, by, uh, there's a great thing on um, – we'll give it a plug now, actually. So Mount Macedon Honey. That's Mount what it's Ma- yeah. So you've just started an Instagram page? Yeah, but to be fair, like, I, don't need a, don't, like, I don't need a plug. Because oh, so it's got, already successful, is it? No, like, I've got about 40 <laughs> jars, and they're being given out to friends and family. Oh, right. So like, like, I'm, I'm taking the piss a bit. Like, you yeah. know, it's, it's by no means a business venture. It could be one day, but – it's just like a bit of fun. Well, Kid, kids are getting involved. I'm eating a lot of honey um, and having a bit of a laugh along the way. But uh, at some stage, who knows, I might try and make a buck out of it. But right now, uh, the margins on 40 j- on honey, they're pretty thin. <laughs> and when you times it by 40 jars, you got like two-fifths of – anyway. So well, like, mate, from little things, big things grow. So let's just keep it at that. Yeah, but, mate, yeah. speaking of your, your young children and your wife, mate, how are you coping with, with isolation um, at home? We had a brief little chat just before we started recording. But current climate, how, how are you coping with the home life? Yeah, well, I thought I'd heard so many good things about working from home, about, like, you know, how good is it? You know, anyway, it turns out I love my commute. <laughs> how are you commuting, by the way? Well, I, I miss my commute. Miss my commute to work. Miss my TED time. I miss. <laughs> I miss my office 
sitting down at my desk, quiet, little flat white at the desk, oh, just check, you know, just a bit of a read of the AFR. <laughs> it's just non-existent. Um, trying to, I'm, I do, I do work, you know, from home and get knocks on the door from time to time, and Bo and Poppy, uh, it's just. Full on, it is full on. Well, mate, just uh, let's quickly have a chat about that. You've been retired uh, four years now, yeah, so you yep. finished up in uh, 2016. How are you occupying yourself these days off field? Yep. So, uh, yeah. So I joined a business by the name of Six Park. Um, it's kind of really disrupting traditional investment management, and like, uh, the reason why I wanted to join the business is I could see, you know, teammates. You know, were making some poor decisions with their with their money that they were making from football, and so I could see the real need in the in the market. Um, it required to move back down to Melbourne for this, so that's that's what I've been doing for the last three years, involved with Six Park. And to be honest, it's been fantastic. I absolutely love what mm. I do. Um, there's some fantastic people in the industry, but what we've seen out of the Royal Commission is that there's been some pretty sad. St- state of affairs with yep. many people in the industry and 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 that's what you know we're, we're everything we're everything you know about that we're, we're fully transparent about everything we've got no conflicts so it's um i really love it and i love the fact that we can you know really help people with their quality of life in retirement teddy boy you are also uh, i don't know if you're a competing podcaster because you're you're podcasting in a very different industry to what i'm doing but um you've got a very successful podcast in which you've run for a for a few years now can you maybe share a little bit about how that started and and why you uh why you're enjoying it so much yeah i, I don't view you as a competitor it's probably more tim ferris i view as a competitor <laughs> <laughs> no um i don't think many people know who tim ferris is to be honest in our oh, listeners <laughs> oh, well um yeah so when i retired from from footy, I had a bit of time off, and I would just go, just take Bo and my son around um, for walks around Centennial Park, and I and I love it, investing. I got a passion for investing, and I found myself listening to a lot of American podcasts. Mm. And uh, at some stage, I was always like, I think someone should do an Australian version because um, there's I, I quite enjoy it, but I'm just kind of. I think a bit of an Australian flavour for this would be quite interesting. So I, when I started up uh, working with Six Park on the side, I thought I'd start doing this, this this podcast. And it's just about trying to have discussions with smart, educated pe- uh, people and, I, and me being trying trying to be the dumb person and just ask the, the, the basic questions from them to, to learn from from what they've learned over the course of their career. And and that's what it is. So it's, it's more so about investing business and decision making and how we can you know just some life skills we can learn around that and i put them i put them out monthly um since once again i absolutely love it i get a lot of satisfaction from it i edit them up myself and um um, so if listeners are interested it's it's um and i hope you don't mind a little plug here but uh it's called it's called the uh it's called the richards report um and uh, it's got a picture of my face on the front cover, so uh, it should be pretty easy to find. Right. I, I actually have listened um, to a fair few of your podcasts, actually. I think one that stood out was Chris Judd. You did one with Chris Judd, who's yeah, also you... quite passionate about investing as well, and you guys obviously 
grew up together as well. You've also did one on uh, Joe Watson, who you're also very close with, but he had got a pretty interesting journey about living in New York and yep. his investing kind of journey as well. So um, I think Juddy might have stole, you, stole your idea a little bit as well. He did. Very so. sheepishly came up to me and, and, and goes, listen. Did he actually? Yeah. Because uh, uh, former football was talking about investing. Was, uh, I, I owned that niche. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it was my niche. Yeah. And then it doubled. And, the, the talk around the footy club was, I'll be honest with you, it was Chris Judd stolen Teddy's um, Teddy's idea. He, the words getting around. I, I it was the second time. I, I, I feel like he stole a lot of Brownlow votes off me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's, he's stolen um, a podcast category. Um, but yeah, um, we actually grew up in the same same street together in back back in Sandy, and um, um, yeah, but I. There's room for both of us uh, now. In the not, in my, the- not, not in my podcast subscriptions, mate. It's, oh. it's, it's the Richards Report only. Well, yeah, the, the, the recent episode I've done was, was actually with a psychologist and uh, it's it's on um, stress and anxiety and what that can do for our decision-making. And, and, yeah, that's, right. and that's applicable whether it's um, investing and trying to make ra- rational and logical decisions mm. that's in our own best interest because, unfortunately, we can be our own worst enemies at times. Um be it financially or, or for other reasons. Um, but it's also uh, embedded in that is some some life skills that are transferable no matter what your passions are, is being able to deal with um, stressful, stressful and anxious times like now. Well, I think when you retire from football, it's very, very tough to, to find a passion straight away. You've had a passion for, what was your career, 15, 15 years? 16. 16 years of passionate about football. But to find something that you're passionate about outside of football must – you must feel extremely lucky. So I guess the question I'm kind of asking you is, you know, how did the, the interest in finance develop while while playing football? Yeah, it's probably a bit luck, but I think it's a bit of hard work too in that I um, I started stu- studying um, when I was back at Essendon uh, first year, did a um, Bachelor of Commerce. And, you know, to be fair with a, a commerce degree, it's a bit of everything. It's a bit of accounting, economics, marketing, management, um, and I didn't really know which way I wanted to go with that, but I knew the importance of study. There were there were mentors that I had at Essendon, you know, the likes of Chris Heffernan and Mark Bolton, you know, good players that on their day off, they'd always just go to uni. And, and um, even James Hurd was, you know, a fantastic mentor. Um, so many players talk about their day off. I, I'd, I'd probably try and reframe that day to say it's not a day off, it's just a non-football day. Mm. And... Um, Anyway, so finished the Bachelor of Commerce. I was a bit like, well, where do I want to go with this? So I um, approached um, uh, Rob Morgan, a, a former um, Swans director who was, um, had a business, Cleminger, about doing some work. Advertising? Yeah, and yeah. advertising, and about, about doing some work experience there in the off-season. And I did that. I liked it. It was okay, but I didn't, didn't really sense that I, I had a real passion for it. So I thought, all right, well, I'm going to try something else. And started doing some work experience at Citigroup, and I just loved it. I really just loved it. So um, um, decided then I'd do a master's in applied finance to to learn more about that, and um, decided there and then that I was going to, on my day off from football, go yeah. in and work. So a bit of luck, but also at the same time, a bit of hard work. But you, so you first started out at Citigroup. Like, what kind of stuff were you doing when you first when you first got there? I well, very broadly, just learning. Yeah. Um, I'd go in there and just work 
just learn as much as I can about um, the sell sales sell side of broking, which is um, working with the, the fund managers on the buy side, um, speaking with analysts. And what I found was like I'd I'd go in there on on my day from footy and. I'd catch up with fund managers and I'd, I, I really would learn a lot. But a lot of the fund managers, when they sit down, they just want to talk about footy. Yeah. And I'd just, I'd just kind of go home at the end of the day and go, well, I had a lot of fun, but I didn't really kind of speak about markets a lot. So after two years of doing that, that's when I was like, no, I, I need to get over the buy side and work under a fund manager and start study, studying some stocks. And I approached um, John Sevier, a fund manager, and started doing work under him. And, and that, that was where I, I cut my teeth even more and, and gave me further vindication as this is what I want to do. So, so how, how many years did you did you work for this guy? What was his name again? John, John, John. Sevier at yeah. Early Funds Management. Four years. Admittedly, it wasn't four years full-time. It's you know, still to dedicate four years of you're playing full-time football and then you've obviously got, what, four or five years remaining to play and then you've, you've dedicated four years of, um, of every day off going in and... Up and upskilling yourself um, with, the, with this group, it must have been. I guess we've got a lot of guys that do work experience, and I can see how tough it is sometimes. That you know, you've just finished a massive day of training, and all you want to do is just kind of, you know, have that day off. And you might see the boys, you know, playing golf or doing something else. But it must be, it's incredible discipline to to really do what you did. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of you can get a lot of satisfaction from doing hard things. Um, uh, when I look back at my career and you know, I studied for 15 years straight and I took one semester off in those 15 years and I'm incredibly proud of that. But I, I never felt comfortable viewing myself as a, as a footballer that would have a long career. I always thought that I was, even even in my, my best year, I thought I was always probably a couple of games away from getting a tap on the shoulder and getting dropped. And yeah. what was fantastic for my, yeah. from, for me mentally was if – I had things in place or I was doing the best I could to put things in place. It actually gave me a better mindset for football because I know, well, you know, if things don't work out, I'm, I'm actually pretty prepared for the, for the next chapter, whatever it may be. It goes well with my question. Like I always um, enjoy hearing about ex, ex athletes and, and their career transition. Was it a difficult thing for you? Well, six years of working admittedly part-time helped in that progression I was incredibly nervous as to not just um, not just stepping away from you know football and, and working outdoors and getting paid to run around every day, but yeah. um, joining a startup as well, where like I was I was the fourth member of the team. There's four of us, and you know I was we wear many hats. You do everything you can, and mm. and you know from from you know early days of funding rounds to 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 everything. I just loved it, and I still do love it. I, I'm incredibly lucky. I've got a. I, I I look back on my football career in that I'm incredibly proud what I achieved. But um, um, right at what I've got in front of me right now is, is a new challenge that um, uh, I find incredibly rewarding. And um, um, what we're seeing right now with with um, COVID nineteen and markets presents a further challenge, and, and I'm, I'm conscious of, of our clients that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, are invested, but um, I do I do love what I do, so I'm, I'm very lucky. And what would you say, 16 years of playing professional sport? What were the things that probably put you put you in good stead for for life after football? Uh, yeah, it's, it's very, 16 years. You learn, 
you'll learn a lot no matter what you're doing. So it's very hard just to kind of bring it down to to one sentence. But I, I, if I had to, I, I'd, I'd say kind of the benefits of hard work, attention to detail, discipline, and something which is important is having a level of resilience because yep. you'll, you'll go through some hard times um, and you need to need to be able to, to keep a level head at those times. Mate, I thought that's terrific insight. Before we touch on your football career, which I think um, a lot of people would love to hear about, I've just um, I've sent you know I, I have told people through the the world of social media that I'm having a chat to you today. There have been some questions come through, so I thought I'd just um, get the few of the boys to um, send through a few questions. At Reg Grundy, apparently you had a. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> At Reg Grundy, apparently you've had a nose job for a broken nose whilst playing, but uh, but you've come out looking like Michael Jackson. Is this true? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Reg loves to kind of point the finger at that, and, and because he got his um, his request for a hip reduction didn't, uh, knocked back. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I had. Um, Quite a few broken noses over the years. Um, I got it fixed up once when I was at uh, at Essendon and um, got it broken again. And uh, the surgeon at the time said, "Listen, how about we just wait until footy's well and truly done <laughs> before we uh, worry about this?" And um, so, hence the the nose job or um, just the uh, medical procedure that was required, <laughs> which I'd prefer to call. <laughs> Uh, next question is uh, from, from another fan uh, at Nick Smith. Is it uh, is it true that you crap yourself during time trials? Oh dear! All right, I did it. I'm once. sensing a story here. Yeah, you did, did, yeah. did, did it once. Um, yeah, three k which is out on Lakeside Oval for the, those familiar with um, the SCG precinct. It's it's that oval uh, over the road from the SCG with the uh, the buses. And I was running along that um, the back straight just near Anzac Parade. I was doing I was doing it from from memory, a pretty good time as well. And I <laughs> and I, I, I since you know me, my attention to detail with my thorough. I'm very thorough when it comes to my preparation for training, and I love to go above and beyond when it comes to preparation. And I reckon I went above and beyond with the amount of magnesium I should take. Is that one of the side effects? Yes, it, it does relax. It's meant to relax, Bowels. yeah. Bowel it's, it's, it's meant to relax your muscles, and I think it relaxed everything. And um, and the back straight, probably a bit too much magnesium, a bit too much supplements. I just couldn't hold it in anymore and fertilize the tree. And <laughs> just went on to went on to run at what I thought was a pretty good time. And I thought I was very swift, not just with my finish, but. With every part of from start to finish. How and long? How long did it take to, oh, to, to, to get to, it out? To be honest, it's a bit of a blur now. <laughs> um, and um, anyway, uh, anyway, Rusey saw it, and he brought everyone in, and uh, anyway, he cooked me absolutely. He cooked you. He cooked me. So this, is, this club does not stand for that behaviour. <laughs> Uh, and like to be honest, like I, I get it, yeah. But <laughs> like, it's not like I was like I had another op- like the other option is to stop the run 
and go, listen, I'm not going to finish. Listen, give up. I'm yeah. not going to do it. And I thought that I might, you know, that might be a keep going, you know, do that, yeah. finish it might have been the better option. Anyway, Ruthie disagreed. Because so. I would have thought that if you um, – if you'd crap yourself while doing a two k no, time call trial, it, call it that, yeah. and then um, and then you go and finish the time trial. I think that's a great message for the group that you know, never say never, never say die. Sure, like uh, best Codman, some some form of award on best and fairest night. So. Right. Uh, and at Jonathan Brown has uh, has sent through a question. Actually, he has asked, um, "Are you still filthy that <laughs> I beat you in the New York uh, in the New York Marathon, considering that I had six kilos on you?" Did he really? really oh. Couldn't believe it. So 50,000 people do the New York Marathon. And uh, there's four different wa- like waves start mm-hmm. starting at you know, areas in um, uh, wherever the race is on Long Island, Staten, Staten Island, Staten Island. And within each wave is about 10 corrals. And it just so happens. So, like, you know, there's 40 groups, over 50,000. And Jonathan Brown and I are standing right next to each other at the start line. Oh, no. And, and I'm like, because we've, you know, played on each other for a good, like, you know, 10 years or so and have a bit, you know, I've had a bit of a chat. Give you uh, much? Oh, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. But, but I was like, you know, I've never run a marathon before. He's never run a marathon. I'm trying, trying to think, you know, I just want to run my own race here and I don't want to kind of be in this sort of awkward, uh, you know. Anyway. Um, anyway, so we start off and... No photos. <laughs> Put that down. <laughs> um, so we start off and um, we, we go our separate ways. And with about two Ks to go, he and I are right next to each other. Oh, no. I couldn't believe it. He didn't see me. So you, didn't, so you started next to each other, but you just kind of got lost in the crowd yeah, and stuff like that. There's 50,000 yeah, there. Okay. And, and, and I, um, I think I probably went a bit quicker than him. Um, to, to begin with, and um, anyway, anyway, we're, we're, we're right next to each other, and I just, I, I just wanted to beat him. And it, I, part of me, that the competitor in me came out and going, he, he doesn't know I'm there. If I just gave him a little tap, just a little tap, he, he'll be down. Yeah. It'll buy me 10, 20 seconds. Um, and I was like, you know what, nah, just step it up, just go, just go. And um, I had nothing in me. Anyway, he, he got me by a little bit, and I, I was a bit filthy, but. Um, uh, and we, um, anyway, it's, it's what it is. It is what it is. It is what it is. Well, mate, I'd like to discuss with you your time at the Essen Footy Club. Like everyone knows you as a, as a terrific Swans person, but you got drafted in 2000. They became fresh off a premiership when you were drafted. Share with us kind of the early days of what it was like at the Bombers. You know, there was, you know, Heard and Lloyd, two biggest names in the game. What was it like kind of being at the Bombers at that time? Yeah, so, uh, well, to, to, I'll add a, f- a further bit of context. I grew up a big Essendon fan. So I went to this club. Nuffy. <laughs> I went to this club and coming off arguably, I'll call it say arguably, one of the greatest seasons that has ever been played by a team. And and next, next thing, I'm, I'm mates with them all. So it was... This huge thrill for me, and to be um, a part of that, it was it was very different to um, you know, anything I'd experienced before. You know, but um, 
footy was different back then, and I know that's what all retired players say, but... Um, I tend to agree with you. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, like, that, that was the end of 2000. Yeah, I, I think I started there in, like, November, December of 2000. And it was still common to, you know, beers, Saturday, Sunday... Um, I was playing full forwards. Yeah, yeah. Now, I was seriously. So Terry Danaher was my VFL coach, and when we'd finish the VFL game, Terry Danaher would bring out slabs of beer for us to have in the warm down. Uh, he'd just put them down in the middle. And what well, is these days? That, is, that a lot of guys getting drafted these days, these days. That is just so foreign. I know. I would never have well, think that was even possible. Yeah. Hmm. You know. Eighty percent of the players too would be on their peas, you know. <laughs> 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 like Tez would go and have me a beer. P one or P two? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd be like, "Oh, thanks, Tez," but yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I'm on my peas. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, but um, and like and to like to add some further context, you know, it's things that would happen. You you'd go up to the social club after the game. And the other guys from, you know, be it Williamstown, Northern, you know, the Northern Blues, whatever they were back then, um, they'd come in and you'd have a you'd have a beer with the other guys after the game. And yep. um, I, I, I don't want to sound like some old man going, you know, but, you know, but like... I get it. I trust I, over I the 16 years, yeah. things changed a lot. Yeah, things changed a lot in many ways. I want, you know, um, Scotty Lucas in my first year... Despite being, um, you know, an All Australian centre half forward and Premiership player, whatever he was, he'd still do the odd day of the week on the tools. You know, uh, as as a builder, um, James Hurd was working. Um, so well, we might have to go back to that. Yeah, that during the with what the current climate is telling us. Yeah, and I think it could be a good thing. At what point did you think that? Um, so how many games did you play? Thirty three there. Yep. At what point did you? think that your time at Essendon might be coming to an end? I was probably halfway through my last year. Yeah, halfway through my last year, I thought, you know, Sheeds and I used to get along Monday to Thursday really well. Monday to Thursday we'd get along and a match committee would happen yeah. and we'd just disagree. <laughs> we'd disagree <laughs> Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, Sunday and, and then the process would repeat. And So he just wanted to go in a different direction um, when it came to... So I'd played 33 games over five years. I'd never really strung more than three games together. And, um, yeah, so it was was four and a half years. And all I wanted to do was go to a team that wanted me. Yeah, that was pretty much what I decided. And how did the conversation with the Swans start? Like, I'd assume that it's a big move, you know, thinking that your, your childhood dream would be to play for Essendon and then that's been taken away from you and then you're being relocated to Sydney. Like, I'd just like to know kind of yeah. you know, how that kind of process is probably very, very different to a lot of kids these days. Yeah, so I was 22 at the time and I probably liked the idea of staying in my comfort zone a bit and staying in Melbourne. Yeah. And, you know, um, the Bulldogs are pretty keen, so I had chats with Rocket and quite liked the prospect of staying here. And um, But my manager had also said that the Swans are quite keen and I couldn't believe it. In the week in the lead-up to the 2005 Grand Final, Andrew Allen, Paul Ruse said, listen, Ted, we want you to fly up and we want to meet you. In the week leading up to their Grand it was, Final? It was, like, it was like a Tuesday or Wednesday before the Grand Final. And they said they want to come up and meet me. And I was like, 
you got a grand final coming up. And they go, no, can you fly up? We, we want you to you know, to meet all the, all the coaches, you know, horse, et cetera. So I flew up and I went up there thinking, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go through the – not go through the motions, but I'm, I'm probably pretty keen to stay down. Yeah. And I just got such a great feeling about that, that here's a team that, that want me, that they need me, that they told me about the um, where, where I could sit. And the more I thought about it over the preceding – uh, weeks, the more I've gone, well, I think actually in state change in interstate would actually be would be good. And it was it was at a nightclub in Las Vegas in my last footy trip at Essendon where I've gone. <laughs> it's probably like four in the morning. I've gone, I'm moving to Sydney. And um, what was the reaction from your teammates? Yeah, but most of them were, were all on board. They're like, yeah, great idea. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just couldn't believe our Essendon would just from my perspective, so frustrating to deal with um, trade period because I was I was a fringe player playing for Bendigo Bombers and Essendon were like, no, we want a first-round draft pick. And I'm like, yeah, right. I'm like, what? Well, you were pick 20. Yeah, but that was five years before. Mm. Mate, no, like, if you want a first-round draft pick, I, yeah, I was, yeah, I was playing right. for Bendigo Bombers. Yeah. Battling for a kick. Well, you're at the Swans, and I want to take you back and see if your memory's as good as mine, because uh, your debut was actually against the Bombers for the Swans. Yes. Your debut for the Swans against the Bombers. Now, you can correct me if I'm wrong. This is just my research, but Matthew Lloyd has kicked six first quarter goals, and the second quarter you were assigned to him. Is that true? This is on Wikipedia. Yes, it is. <laughs> this, 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 your research. <laughs> don't, don't call Wikipedia research. Well, you know, I've, I've done the typing. But, okay. But, but, but is that is that story so far correct? I, 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 There's a few things I remember from that game. Okay. One of which was it was one of the few games that Leo had a shock at, Leo Barry. And uh, yep. Lloyd, yeah, uh, Lloyd kicked four or five on Leo in the first quarter. Mm. And... Um, uh, Rusey made the call, Ted, you're going on to play on Lloydie. And I was, and I did the maths. I did the maths and I thought, well, Lloydie's on track to to kick, kick 20. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was one thing I remember. The other thing I remember is um, Essendon fans, because I, I thought I'd go in and I thought the Essendon fans would boo me and Essendon fans cheered me. <laughs> and uh, I, I can remember going... <laughs> I think you actually want to be booed because yeah. then, then the club's disappointed you left <laughs> when you're getting cheered. Well, the joke's on them okay, because well. you did keep him goalless, didn't you, for the remaining three quarters? Is that true? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I believe that's. I reckon you had a lot to lose that game. I reckon you know playing against your old club. You know, you know he's kicked six in the first quarter. Yeah, we still got smacked. 27 points, I think. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> you're, it's you're, Wikipedia. The, you're the one with yeah, Wikipedia. It's Wikipedia. Yeah. So, but, mate, not long after, 2006, you're playing in a grand final. Yeah. Um, well, that year. Sorry, that year you're playing yeah. in a grand final. Unfortunately, you were um, concussed in the yeah. last quarter. But, yeah. mate, run us through what that grand final experience did for you. Um, obviously not the result you wanted, but kind of how that shaped kind of maybe the rest of your career. Uh, I don't mean to disappoint you, but it didn't shape the rest of my career. Like I, I think um, I, don't, I don't mean it by shaping yeah. your career. I mean it kind of like you know what kind of influence did that experience have on have on your yeah, career? Yeah, I, I, footballers are often me- measured by how they perform in big games. So I did draw some confidence from the fact that 
I'm the biggest of all against what was then the best in the competition. I could stand up, and I drew confidence from that um, from that game. But um, I just I don't, I don't want to provide a delusional answer to, for people to think that it was smooth sailing from there because um, that at the end of 2006, you know, I still was a bit of a bumpy road there for a while until I kind of put some things in place and, and I, I kind of think my career went to another level later on in my um, footy time. Well, on that, I think it's um, probably links in well to my next question. You know, you, you don't feature in another grand final until 2012, but... That um, that time, that six year period, you know, I think you've you've actually come out and said before that you had your crossroads, you had your bumps, you had your ups and your downs, and I was just wondering if you could maybe share a particular one story of your kind of a turning point in your footy career where you thought that your career might come to an end, and you made kind of arrangements to to go overseas. Yeah, so over the sixteen year footy career, I had. One three-year deal, probably a couple of two-year deals, and the the majority of which were either one-year deal. Uh, the, the, the There's only one number left. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Well, there could have been four. There could have been a four but or five-year By the way, you deal. were chatting, you were going down. Yeah, so. okay, I, I was descending. Um, <laughs> there's no six-month deals. No. Um, well, there might be now. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so, um, so in 2009... Um, was when um, Fev got me and, and kind of uh, broke five ribs, punctured the lung, and, and finished off a, a year. And um, that was probably a bit of a, a down way to finish off the year. But in 2010, I had a bit of a shocker where I was in the reserves for about eight weeks. And, um, and that's when I thought that uh, coming out of contract at the end of that season, where I, I was like, shit, like. Um, football might be done with me as opposed to me being done with football. How old were you then? I would have been like 27. Yeah. Okay. So, and um, it was um, – and I was working hard. Like uh, by no means did I give up on the year. I, I yeah. applied myself in the kneeful and I was continually working hard to get better and better and better. And I, to be honest, I got lucky. Like the team was playing so well, I just couldn't get back in. Craig Bolton – um, unlucky for Craig, but Craig injured himself, and that was how I got back into the team. And I ended up playing well enough to get another another contract at the end of the year, and that's when I kind of like, all right, I've got another chance here. Let's mm-hmm. just – what am I going to do so I can become a better footballer? And that's probably when I did a lot of reflecting. Mm. Well, it obviously paid off. You correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm thinking 2012 would have been the highlight yeah. of your of your sporting career. All Australian defender, second in the Bob Skilton Medal, and a premiership medallion around your neck. Yeah, um, people talk about the fact that you know, premierships are the, you know, the the highlight of a footy career. Um, as good as it is, um, it was one day in 16 years. So like. I'm incredibly proud and I've got such fond memories of football. But um, there's also the little things you miss along the way too in that um, um, the camaraderie and the mateship and um, um, a lot of the little things you you miss too. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's more the – we're obviously on a hiatus at the moment as players and 
I don't necessarily miss the, you know, the training. I just kind of miss those kind of, you know, sitting around the physio table and kind of having a laugh and cracking a joke and those things. And, you know, I'm lucky enough I've still got a job in the industry, but I can see those are the things that, that you kind of miss day to day is that banter. You can't really kind of recreate yeah. anywhere else. Well, occasionally I'll see someone walk into the office and part of the Six Park team and it'll be uh, what I what I think is a bit of a different ant- outfit they might be wearing or something like that. Yeah, right. Back in the days of the footy club, you, you know, someone would walk in, you go, "Whoa, that is a <laughs> shocking kid!" What you know? And you just whack them straight between the eyes. Yeah, you know, probably probably not so much anymore of that of that banter. But I do, you do draw a lot of satisfaction from working hard together and playing a team sport, um, and it's probably something I do miss as well. So as. Um, and having a goal and trying to achieve, and that's probably part of the reason why I wanted to get into uh, and, and run a marathon because, mm. you know, it, I like having a goal and, and working towards something and it gets me up out of bed early. And um, anyway, so um, you do miss that too. Well, after 2012, you cemented yourself really as the centre-half back in a, well, probably before 2012, but you cemented yourself centre-half back in a real era of success and, Plenty of finals appearances. Does it kind of does it frustrate you that you didn't get another flag? Uh, you you were very close. Yeah, we were we were we were close. Um, I don't know if frustrates the right word, you know, because I mean, um, I, I appreciate that um, hard work and luck and there's, there's so many things that come into winning a premiership. And I, I do think back in 2014, um, you know, a bit frustrated that we we had the uh, – we played the way that we did that game. But, um, you know, got to give credit to Hawthorne for how well they played that game because, um, uh, you know, there's what-ifs there, there's what-ifs about 2006. We, we lost that by a kick and um, yeah, that's, just, that's just the nature of, of sport. Mm. The end of your footy career, mate. Unfortunately, there was probably a few. Was retirement tough for you in terms of making the decision? I know you had. I, play, I got the opportunity to play with you just for for one season, and in the one season we did play together, you obviously had some challenges with concussions and, and things like that. Was um, was the decision to retire easy or difficult? Probably a bit of both, and it was easy in that I was pretty washed up. <laughs> Mate, you, you you did take a hanger in your last year at the uh, yeah, yeah. West, I, yes, West Coast Eagles yeah. in the wet. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I got three Brownlow votes that game too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was I was pretty washed up. Um, probably um, not getting the same level of satisfaction that, that I um, uh, as as you know you, I, I once did, but I was also ready for. a a new challenge. I'd worked hard for fifteen years to enter the world of enter into the world of finance and investment management. Ready for that, and um, so so it was easy from in that regard to answer the uh, answer your question. But it was hard in that what what I found difficult and emotional is um, kind of just reflecting and getting a bit nostalgic that this dream which had first probably started for me when I was six or seven is to be a footballer, you know, an AFL footballer, yeah. had run its course and that I'd come to the end of that journey, this kind of 
this arc to the story was now kind of finishing up. And I, I kind of – I got a bit nostalgic about you know, the under-12 grand final where Dad's coaching and, you know, the uh, yeah, <laughs> under-16s at the Sandy Dragons and kind of all these fond memories and um, challenges along the way and Mum dropping me off at footy and all these things which had played an important role to, to have be – so I could have the career that I had, um, and that kind of chapter of the book was done there. Mm. So uh, yeah, a few tears on that. Mm. And is do you kind of look at your your children now and kind of do you, do, you, do you think ahead a little bit now, thinking like, oh, I'm putting my hand up to coach their junior footy team and and things like that. Like, uh, now I I. I've got a lot of fond memories in terms of, um, you know, that was that was important to me, and mm-hmm. I got a lot of satisfaction and enjoyment out of that. But I also saw um, uh, a lot of parents force things on on you know friends and the, <laughs> you know, my kids could have similar passions or, or you know very different passions, and um, um, I'll try and support them, be it football or otherwise. Right. Mate, we do have a lot of kids listen to the show and I'd just like to know what advice, you know, a pretty successful footballer like yourself would give to a kid, not only chasing um, chasing a professional sporting dream or AFL or whatever like that, but what kind of advice would you give them? Because I think your story is really good in the sense that it wasn't just smooth sailing all the way through. There are plenty of ups and downs over your 16-year career, but ultimately you did achieve what you wanted to achieve and... What would be one or two things that you could give to a lot of to a young person that would um, embark on a journey like yourself? Okay, I'll, I'll I'll try and keep this answer consistent with the answer that I gave before when I said what did I get from football? Um, it, I believe I said hard work, attention to detail, um, discipline, and resilience. And so, if I just quickly speak to those four. Work hard, um, um, you know, the little things count. Um, you'll need consistency in that working hard, I reckon. Yeah, as well. yeah, you, you'll need to make sacrifices uh, for, for um, discipline and resilience. You may get dropped, you will incur injuries. Um, and you need to dust yourself off and, and keep applying yourself. So that's that's advice that I'd have in terms of purely on-field football. Actually, it's probably a bit applicable to off-field too. But I'd also say don't put all your eggs in one basket, uh, be it you know, football will serve. If you're lucky enough to have an incredible football career, a small portion of your life um, and – if you're at school, um, commit yourself to it. School, and when you're at football, commit yourself to it. Football uh, to to football because um, the, the quote I love, I think I believe, is from Isaiah Thomas. Um, the, the, for those not familiar with Isaiah, the, the very successful NBA basketballer through the nineties, and, and um, that is, is if all he's remembered, he said, is if all he's remembered for is, is his football career, then he's led a pretty boring life. And um, so, what I tell I want to encourage people to, to still focus in on their schooling because um, if 
you're lucky enough to retire when you're 30, you've still got 40 years of working life in front of you and it's going to be a pretty boring life if you if you don't have skills outside of football. Mm. And maybe just a little bit of life advice for our older listeners. Um, the things that we're going through in the world at the moment is extremely tough and it's not exactly ideal for anyone. We're seeing a lot of people struggle with um, you know, with things like employment out there, um, impacts on their own situation and their families. And I guess I'd just like to maybe if, if you had any kind of, I don't know, life advice for, for, for people that going through um, what is a pretty tough time at the moment. Oh, it's very nice for you to ask. I, I just want to be very sympathetic and empathetic for, for what people are going through right now. And But um, by no means do I think as a... A thirty-seven-year-old that uh, you know, I've, I've got all the answers here. It's, it's incredibly stressful and anxious times. I, I um, uh, and I'm also aware that as we've been incredibly lucky in Australia to kind of um, to not have a recession now in close to thirty years, and, and f- the uncertainties that we're going to go through for many, myself included, kind of um, possibly, you know, for the first time for many of us. So, um. I, I do think there are life skills that I have learned in football um, that can be applicable to times of stress and anxiety, which um, um, because I the, the word that I was guilty of many times is catastrophizing the situation and, and just kind of yeah. um, focusing on the negatives and you get this this terrible feedback loop where it's it, it just breeds panic and and anxiety and and I think when when football was was at its worst I, I'd try and write down notes in my journal um just and it, I, I found it very rewarding to then be able to go back from time to time and read those and know I was doing it I was getting, I, was, I was very stressed back then but I got mm. through it and um draw strength from that and by no means by no means a psychologist here so um um but I do want to um um reflect on those those were some of the things that, that got me through some stressful times dead it's 4 55 p.m you gave me very strict instructions that your children eat by five um so i think we've timed this perfectly but mate i do want to thank you for giving up your time or whatever what is a very very difficult time for many people like we've discussed um but mate terrific football career but more importantly as you've said um you've established a great career for yourself and life of you for yourself outside of your football career, mate. So thanks very much for for coming on. Thanks, Sinks.